Welcome to Still Pretty, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast from Chipperish Media. I'm story expert with mom hair, Lonnie Diane Rich. And I'm film scholar and zombie ghost thing, Noelle LaCroix. And we're here today to talk about Lessons, the first episode of season seven. Lessons <laughs> aired on September 24th, 2002 and was written by Joss Whedon and directed by David Solomon. Still Pretty is a fully spoiled, full spectrum Buffy podcast. So if you haven't seen all of the show, go take care of that and we'll just be here deadening young minds. This is a bad time to be a good guy. So let's go on patrol. In Lessons, we start in Istanbul where a girl is running for her life, pursued by two men in hooded cloaks. They catch up to her and stab her with an ornate dagger. Meanwhile, at night in a Sunnydale graveyard, a vampire breaks through his grave while Buffy trains Dawn to fight. It's about power. Who's got it? Who knows how to use it? Dawn struggles to get the best of the vampire and misses the heart when she stakes him. Buffy pulls the vampire off of Dawn and dusts it, and then says that vampires and demons are nothing compared to what's coming. It is my great pleasure and privilege to announce the official opening on the very ground that it first stood upon of the brand new state-of-the-art Sunnydale High. Out in the lovely English countryside, Willow magically pulls a Paraguayan flower through the earth as Giles watches over her. She's confused about why she wasn't put in jail or killed for what she's done. And Giles doesn't tell her why. He just says she's still Willow. Meanwhile, in Sunnydale, Xander brings over the blueprints for the new high school, and it turns out that the Hellmouth, which used to be under the library, is now directly under the new principal's office. The last two principals were eaten. Who'd even apply for that job? Buffy takes Dawn to school and meets the new principal, Robin Wood. He's young, he's hot, and he thinks Buffy's a mom. And since we all know that the most terrible thing any woman can do is have the fucking gall to survive her youth, this immediately sends Buffy down a devastating shame spiral. Luckily, she spots a creepy ghost in the bathroom and focuses on what really matters, getting Dawn the hell out of there. She busts into the classroom while Dawn's introducing herself and embarrasses Dawn, then crawls away, leaving Dawn to close her charming introduction with... I also had a sister. At the espresso pump, Halfrek and Anya get coffee, while Halfrek warns Anya that everyone has noticed that Anya's heart is not exactly in the vengeance game. Her spells are toothless. She's hardly eviscerated anyone lately. Halfrek warns that everyone's demonic spidey sense is tingling, and it's a bad time to be a good guy. At the construction site, Buffy reports her zombie ghost experience to Xander. While at school, Dawn has a close encounter of her own, as a ghost borrows a pencil from her and then stabs Dawn in the eye with it. Dawn screams, but when everyone turns around, the ghost is gone. I'm sorry. There was a bead blue in my eye. Dawn goes to the bathroom to gather herself while Buffy returns to the school to poke around. Buffy bumps into Principal Wood, who chats with her a bit about her time at the high school. Meanwhile, in the bathroom, Dawn meets a kid named Kit, who also saw something creepy. And when they look in the mirror, three zombie ghosts stare back at them in the reflection. And then the floor opens up, and they fall through to the basement. Back in England, Willow freaks out, sensing a darkness half a world away. The hell, Martha? It's gonna open. It's 
gonna swallow us all. In the basement, Don and Kit bump into Carlos, who has also seen things. Before he can compare notes with Don and Kit, a zombie ghost janitor comes after them with an axe. Dawn remembers her new cell phone and calls Buffy. Buffy rushes out of her conversation with the principal and goes into the bathroom, finding the hole to the basement. She hops down to the basement and is immediately confronted by the ghosts who blame her for not saving them, while they block her from a door behind them. Buffy gets past them and goes through the door to find... What did you do? Spike is looking pretty rough. Buffy tries to talk to him, but the dead janitor ghost rudely interrupts by trying to kill her. She gets rid of him and tries again to talk to Spike, but Spike's laughing weirdly and talking to people Buffy can't see, and his chest is all covered with deep gashes. Buffy's cell phone rings and it's Dawn, and tries to figure out what's happening when Spike says it's a talisman. Buffy tries to talk to him, but he's unreachable, so she leaves and calls Xander, telling him about the talisman. Dawn and her friends fight the ghosts for a while. Buffy shows up and joins the fray. Up in the bathroom, Xander finds the talisman, and the ghost girl jumps on him. He breaks it in half, and all the ghosts disappear. There is always a talisman. Buffy leads Dawn and her friends back up to the school and sends them to classes. Once again, Principal Wood shows up and offers Buffy a low-paying job working with the students. Considering that Buffy wants to keep an eye on the old hellmouth, that's pretty perfect. Meanwhile, downstairs in the basement, Spike is crouching on the floor, tormented as Warren paces around him. She's a girl with sugar and spice and everything useless unless you're bacon. Warren morphs into Glory. Oh, my name will be on everyone's lips. Who morphs into Adam. She's exactly where I want her to be. The mayor. So what do you think? You get your soul back and everything will be Jim Dandy? Drusilla. You'll always be mine. The master. Not about right. Not about wrong. Finally, Buffy. It's about power. All right. So, Noelle, here we are. Oh, my God. We are in season seven. The reality of senior year at high school (laughs) feels a little weird. We made it. Back to high school. We (laughs) made it. Yeah. So what did you think about this episode, um, both as an episode of Buffy, as a launch for a new season? How do you feel about it? I mean, my overall response to this episode is meh, which is mm-hmm. funny because there's some stuff in it that I really enjoy. But mm-hmm. also, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this feels like a disjointed season opener, but I don't know if that's because it kind of is or if it's because season seven is kind of a blur for me personally yeah Uh, when i first watched the show this is the point where we picked up the pace and did a season over a weekend probably because i was feeling fancy with my five disc netflix subscription or whatever oh my Um, god i first watched buffy on discs from netflix as well so that is yeah it's yeah so (laughs) as we go through season seven it's gonna be interesting because i have maybe four or five kind of moments that I remember, Uh but it truly is this like blur. And I'm not sure I could tell you. I mean, I can name a couple of individual episodes because they're Mm -hmm. great. Um, Mm -hmm. But overall, like there's going to be a lot that I don't remember. Oh, that's going to be so interesting. Which is going to be interesting. And there was a lot that I was confused by in this Mm -hmm. because I know that they're setting up season seven yeah. And all of the the 
I don't know, tomfoolery, mm-hmm. madness, shenanigans, <laughs> <laughs> whatever, whatever. But you love season seven. So I, I am do. excited. I am excited I to do. like re-experience this for the first time with you specifically. I cannot uh, remember what it was like to not know everything that happens in season seven. So I wonder if my response to this is, is you know, uh, clearly influenced by knowing exactly what's going to happen. Um, I love season seven. I know a lot of people don't like it. That's okay. I will love it enough for all of us. Y'all can hate it there in your cars and while you're running. You <laughs> shout at me because I love it. That's fine. I am loving it for you. So you don't have to. Um, I think it's a really good start to the season you know uh this episode uh has got problems sure i know the season has problems um i understand why people don't like season seven um but you know and a lot of things i think i mean i don't know because i love it so i can't speak to why people don't like season seven i can speak to what i've heard and it feels like it's just it doesn't feel as much like buffy it's kind of like this different tone it's a different um you know the characters are are all different like it feels like everything has changed um and i think that that's okay i think that it should have changed i think that if you go through what everyone in buffy has gone through and you don't change um that that's not really great storytelling um um, so, I mean, the characters have evolved, the tone has evolved, they've grown up. Uh, we don't have the same kind of monsters or humor that we loved from, you know, say season three or even season five. But for me, that is part of the reason why I love season seven and this episode in particular. Like, I love this episode in particular, I love the fact that we've got these bookends where we start with It's About Power and we end with It's About Power because what we are doing is making a statement. It's That's showing that we know what we're doing, you know, with this with mm. this episode. Mm-hmm. And I really, really like that. Um, so, yeah, Buffy season seven. I love it. It's a whole new world, right? Uh, even with its flaws, you know, I love that it's doing something bold and different and something new. Um, first of all, we start with a cold open, right? Yeah. Which is weird. Have we ever, like, okay, I know I'm going to throw this out and somebody's going to be like, how do you even call yourself a Buffy expert? I don't call myself a Buffy expert. Like, I don't know every moment of Buffy. Um, But I think this is the first cold open we've had with no known characters. I mean, if you excuse the pilot where none of the characters are known in the beginning, it's Darla and a and a vampire boy, right. you know. Um, but I, I don't know that we have like cold opens that don't involve at least one of our characters, one of our beloveds, you know. Um, so that feels a little bit weird. But we, and we have this or, or even somebody who's not even in Sunnydale. I mean, this is Istanbul, yeah. you know, which was once Constantinople. But you can't you go know? back. To Constantinople. to Constantinople. Been a long no. time gone. All right, we have to. All right, anyway. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that, that was some low-hanging fruit of a joke. Um, but anyway, um, so she's in, this girl is in Istanbul. She's getting chased. She's getting stabbed with this knife that appears to be, we're very, very proud of this prop. We're because very, is, very important dagger. <laughs> Just... We love that dagger. But we got these like hooded figures that are chasing this girl and stabbing her. And then we have that. And the thing is that a cold open is one thing. If the rest of the episode is going to actually address what happens in that cold. Nothing. Nope. <laughs> That's nope. it. <laughs> so... We it's. 
Yeah, we don't even know what that is about. Of course, as the season goes on, we will find out this is a potential slayer who is being mm-hmm. killed by the bringers. But at this point, like, we don't know that. You know, we don't know what's going on. Um, we go right into Buffy training Dawn, which is like the first thing that's really different is that instead of Buffy running this endless, you know, protection game on Dawn where, no, we must cover your eyes and you can't say she's teaching her how to fight. Which I love. I mean, I love that she's training Dawn. Yeah, me too. Me too. And this scene is a huge standout from this episode Mm -hmm. for me for, I mean, all of the reasons. Um, (laughs) It's just, they're so great. We'll get into it when we get into talking about Dawn specifically. But oh, yeah. Holy crap. I love Dawn in season seven. That's it. That's the the whole thing. Yeah. Yes. No, Dawn is fabulous in season seven, and I love the way she's being treated in season seven, too. You know, is that she's being treated as part of the group, not somebody to be protected, not somebody to be, you know, kept in the dark or treated like a child. Like, she is one of the team, and I really love that. I love that she misses the heart, you know, and that's something that Buffy then says, I missed on my first time out, too, mm-hmm. you know, which is kind of nice. Um, and, and that discussion of who has the power. He has the power. You know, um, and I think that that is is kind of interesting. And that's something that, of course, we're going to be uh, delving into more kind of that theme of who has the power throughout this this season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're also returning to the high school, which is where we started, you know, but now it's from a different perspective. It's a different high school, mm-hmm. you know. So, I mean, I like that we're going back. It's it's the same, but it's all different. You know, and Buffy's, you know, commentary seems smaller at the end of the episode, which is what you always like anybody who's ever gone back to high school. That's the cliche thing that somebody goes to college, comes back to the high school and like, oh, it seems smaller, you know, um, <laughs> because it is smaller by your perspective. Your your world has broadened. And so the school seems small. Um, so I love that we're going back. I love that we're revisiting. Um, you know, I love that Dawn in this episode, like she's allowed to use her wits to deal with danger. She plays a huge role in saving herself and her friends, but also calls on Buffy. You know, it's not I have to do it on my own. It's I am part of the team, which I really, really love. Um, Spike coming back is another. This is a huge game changer. He has a soul. His struggle with that reality has completely overwhelmed his mental capacity to deal with it. Um, And I love that we have we're seeing in spite consequence and regret and sorrow for what he did to Buffy. Um, I love that he didn't get a soul and it's all fine. He's standing on Buffy's doorstep with flowers telling her, come on, baby, I've changed. You know, <laughs> um, I love that he got his soul back to get her back. And now with his soul, he finally understands why he, he can't get to have her like that, do- that he doesn't get to have her. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love all of that that we're doing with Spike. I love that Xander's all grown up. You know, um, he's a real guy with a real job. He's wearing a suit, man. He's got all these. <laughs> he's got teams of of people that he's running. Teams that are working on the uh, on the high school. I think that that's great. Uh, the new principal, smoking hot, right? I mean, and you know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, look, DB lo- Woodside. I'm sorry, that listen, is a pretty yeah. man. <laughs> listen, yes. listen, yeah, I know. It's nice. And he's taken a chunk out of the unbearable whiteness of Buffy. So there is that, you know, which is nice. Um, yeah. We've we've had six seasons of unbelievable blinding whiteness on Buffy. Now we're getting a little bit more diversity. You yeah. Know, which is and nice. he gets to be complex, which is nice. 
Which he's, is really, it's real really nice. nice. And, you know, since we're fully spoiled, he survives. Right? So, How about that? So that's one body of color we don't have to see on the road this year, yeah. um, which is which is really, really nice. Um, I mean, it's still there's we're still like, come on, we're still going to have race issues with Buff, with Buffy this uh, season. We're going to talk about that as we as we come to them. But it is nice to see some of that whiteness taken down a notch. So that's good. Um, and then we have Willow, you know, reconnecting with her magic under the watchful eye of the coven and Giles as her Dumbledore, you know, supporting oh, yeah. her through this process. Which I don't even know, man. I mean, like, there's so much. This is my huh. Like, this whole episode, I'm yeah. just like, wait, hold on. Hold yeah. on. What? I mm-hmm. mean, I don't know. I don't know. I Okay. So yes. no, let's go. All right. Talk about it. <laughs> let's go. Let's just Don't do hold a, back, baby. Yeah. Let's do a deep dive into my confusion with this. Let's because, do it. Yes. So all right. I love seeing every I, I mean, I love the beginning of a new season just to see everybody mm-hmm. kind of newly doing whatever their new thing is going to be. Right. Mm-hmm. Um and I like, you know, I like the idea in theory of going back to the high school because, you know, it's Dawn's turn now. Yay! We get to do high school all over again. Um, and also, you know, that's kind of what the show was about from the right. start. So then to loop around and like do this different perspective. But I find it, I don't know, I think problematic is probably too mm-hmm. strong a word. But this thing with Buffy being read as Dawn's mother twice Feels like a joke at the expense of solo parents and especially young mothers and folks Mm -hmm. in non-nuclear families. I just don't like it. Like, I just, it's, it does not work for me. I don't enjoy it. But the strangest thing about that to me is how mom and dad, Buffy and Xander, look and act with Dawn. Uh Mm-hmm. And then, of course, because we are fully spoiled, right, we know that the show isn't setting up anything with Buffy and Xander. Mm-hmm. It's not a Buffy-Xander marriage that's coming. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Thank goodness. <laughs> but right. but the whole, like, tableau at the breakfast table is still, like, mother-father-child, especially with the, oh, did you give it to her yet? No, not. Like, they are, they are having a conversation mm-hmm. about this gift, Yes. That mm-hmm. Dawn doesn't know about. It's a very, it feels very parental. And then they pull up to the school in this family car mm-hmm. as this family unit. And it's very mother, father, child. And I, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what to do with that beyond just noticing that this is something that we see a lot mm-hmm. in American film and television, regardless of the characters' relationships to each other. Um, right. So it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Like, it doesn't matter that we're not setting up a family unit in this way. But mm-hmm. our media, like in the United States, will go out of its way to establish and reestablish the man, woman, child, family. This as traditional a idea element. of a nuclear family. Yes. It's like um, a vi- it's like mm-hmm. a visual light motif in American yes. film and television. And we get it here. And I find it. I don't know. I just it stuck out to me. It felt Mm -hmm. odd to me. And I think what they're doing is the Buffy and Xander are adults now. Mm -hmm. And this and they are the Scooby group now, too. Right. It's just the three of them. So, yeah, it's more so the three of them as the sort of new heart of the Scoobies, which, of course, Mm -hmm. then everyone will filter back in as we go. Everyone except Tara, of course. Mm -hmm. Um. 
But I don't know. There's something about it, maybe because it is such a strong visual leitmotif yes. on television in the United States that I'm like, oh, they're doing heteronormative something something with this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that very traditional idea of the nuclear family and we're supporting that. I mean, right now it's just Buffy, Xander and Dawn. So that's what we've got to work with. But it's not just that. It's all of these things that you bring up that like everything. I mean, even down to Xander is driving the car, you know, in his like, suit and tie, which, in his suit good and for him. tie. Yes. And he comes in and she's and Buffy is making breakfast. I made cereal. Do you really make cereal? It's that cute little. But she's playing that traditional mom role of cooking. He comes in with his business papers and his briefcase and all of this stuff. Right. Um, Yeah. It very much does have that. I mean, the, the joke about Buffy must be the mom. You know, I read as a, um, you know, like, a, oh, my God, the worst thing in the world that she could possibly be is either fat or old. And she's definitely not fat. So let's give her a shot at being old. Let's just make her feel like she has outlived her youth and caught and done that horribly egregious thing, you know. So um, so to me, like I was annoyed with it for a completely different reason. But uh, but yeah, like I completely see, uh, you know, that they they kind of are falling into that. It's not just that the three of them are there, but that we're putting them in those very traditional kind of roles. Yeah, it's just, you know, and it's one of those things that like pops up over and over again and whether it's supposed to be there or not. Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't but it I found it distracting and mm-hmm. I'll probably just continue to watch for it because it's you know, a really interesting insight. I think that's There you very go. Cool. Um yeah. I mean it's an it's an interesting episode for insight in that mm-hmm. it is really I mean it's literally called lessons, right? This is the right. this is is this episode going to teach us how to watch season 7 perhaps? I don't know. Uh, maybe. Um, yeah. But what I love is that we get the repeat of lesson one it's always real mm-hmm. we hear that a couple of times and i'm so curious about this especially in the yes. context of a shape shifting evil mm-hmm. right like and it's an interesting lesson to sort of wrap around dawn who started off wondering am i real right. we seem to have moved past that with dawn at least dawn has moved past it mm-hmm. so now the answer is yes it's always mm-hmm. real Right. Um, But I really, really like that as a kind of vehicle for the season. Like if we're going to take everything that is season seven and pile it into a big van, um, you know, <laughs> like really, like it's the vehicle. I love that. Metaphor, because if yes. you're wondering mm-hmm. if something is real, the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. You know, and in this episode, it's like, yes, Spike in the basement is real. The zombie ghosts yeah. are real. That sense you have that something is going on with the principal is real. Yeah. It's, it's like not, a day of evil, right? Yeah, you know. <laughs> Which is not a line we've gotten yet this yeah, season. Like yeah, like it's not what you think, but mm-hmm. like there is something up with this dude. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Like I just, I love that. Lesson one, it's always real. Cool. All right. It's always Great. real. It's always real. Well, because those are questions that we've had in the past, especially with regard to Dawn, right? Because yeah. Dawn, all of those memories were, you know, built by monks. Yeah. You know? And yet, if you remember the experience, I mean, everything that has ever happened to us in our lives is only real because we remember it. So if you have a memory, does that then make that experience real? You have had the experience 
so what is reality? And yeah. I think that like that's definitely a philosophical question that Buffy has bumped up against more than once. And here we are with less than one. It's always real in the face of this, you know, shape shifting evil that cannot take corporeal form, which I really, really love. And the the big thing that disappoints me in Buffy is that they don't they end up giving Buffy something physical to fight in a season that should be about the internal demons, the things that you swing at and cannot connect with, you know, like the the non-corporeal evil. How do you fight that? And we end up going back to traditional Buffy fighting instead of really exploring that kind of question of what is reality? Is it not real if it's not physical, you know? Um, and I think there's so much interesting stuff that's set up by that, that unfortunately we don't realize, no pun intended, throughout the rest <laughs> of, the, of the season. Um, but I mean, I love that, like, you know, when she goes down and she sees Spike in the basement, the first thing she says is, Spike, are you real? And he doesn't answer her because he can't because yeah. he doesn't know yet. I don't know. Like, it's a yeah. whole mm-hmm. it's a whole thing. Like, what is what is real? You know, his whole thing is make me what I was before. Right. Oh, careful what you ask for, my dude. Well, and what he is now is not what he yeah. has ever been. He has never been this. Yeah. So that is um that is also really interesting. Yeah. You know? Um yeah, I, I I actually love that whole thing. It's I love great. Spike with a soul. I love the game changer of that. I think that that's fabulous. Oh, it's but great. But we also, you know, we're talking about this lesson. Is it real? But I mean, also the first thing we open and we close with, it's about power. So what is this episode actually saying about power? Or do we even know? I think we don't. I mean, okay. I come away from this with both a sense of what they mean by power, but also some, I mean, I was going to say some questions. No, I have a lot of questions about this. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. and season seven, episode one, like we're not going to wrap this up really neatly. We're kind of defining it by defining around it. But like, let's define power, shall we? Yeah. Because when Buffy in that in that scene in the graveyard, when Buffy asks who has the power, I immediately want to know in what sense. Right. Right. Like, which is kind of what Dawn is asking without asking. She's like, well, I have the stake. Right. And Buffy, I love figuring it out. The Mm -hmm. stake is not the power. And and Dawn goes, but he's new, which I love so much. Like, heck yeah. Like, come on. I should have some Mm -hmm. advantage here. Um, But like when I think power, when I think about that word, I think influence over other people. Right. Like I specifically think about like military or governmental power. Um, mm-hmm. you know, the the almost the structural ability to shape reality for others. And I don't know what that says about me and my interests, but wow, yeah. that's kind of where well, I that's go. That's a really interesting idea, though, the ability to shape reality for others, right. which is kind of which is in itself an abuse of yeah. power. Well, right? and, I, and we've talked about this on Still Pretty mm-hmm. before that, like mm-hmm. we we you and I and yes. also as a society (laughs) as a society (laughs) um we're pretty comfortable with like shadow use of power like power over power Mm -hmm. to control um but i'm not you know i don't think that that's the full 
definition that we're going right. going with here. So I pulled up dictionary.com. Oh, are we defining our goddamn terms? We are defining as Dr. Kelly Jones would tell us to do immediately. Oh, yeah. Well, so important, right? Because if yes. we're not if I say it's about power and you go, cool, it's about power, and then we think we're having the same conversation. Right. But there are a ton of definitions of power. Um, tons of them. Here are the ones that I think are most resonant and probably relevant to this podcast and this show. But mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to more defining of terms because this is kind of my favorite thing. So here's what I got. The ability to do or act. Mm-hmm. Capability of doing or accomplishing something. Okay, sure. Great or marked ability to do or act. Mm-hmm. strength might force that's kind of where i feel like we're treading right with mm-hmm. with buffy here but also the possession of control or command over people authority mm-hmm. ascendancy which is a great word that we don't hear often enough right or power is i like this one too a person or thing that possesses or exercises authority or influence mm-hmm. as in the powers that be <laughs> Right. Mm-hmm. So, all right. In the in the context of this fight with a vampire, mm-hmm. Buffy says it's about power. Who's got it? Who knows how to use it? But the fact that this is a he him vampire after we've just seen a woman in Istanbul probably definitely held down on the ground yeah. and stabbed. It's hard not to read this as he has the power because he's a him. Right. I mean, this isn't a female vampire. Yeah. And well, almost never, very rarely are they female vampires, right? Yeah, we get a handful over the course of we get yeah. we get a handful over the course of the show and only a couple of them are They're like, only female unnamed. when there's a reason. They're named right, for them to be female. For the most right. part. Or or it's the one that Riley you know, was yes. in, the, in the house with, or is. but like usually, if if we're just doing vampire, we default male, and we only make it a female vampire if there's a reason for it to be a female vampire. Yeah. Um. So yeah. we do very much view this power as a very kind of like male centric power, right? And the Slayer right? is a she, like yes, that's always part a of she, the, that's right? part of the deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, so Buffy literally says in this scene, it doesn't matter how well prepared you are or how well armed you are. You're a little girl. Mm-hmm. Sounds like Buffy, with all of her ability to affect change in the world, power, hello, has mm-hmm. bought into the patriarchal model of power. Well, yeah, especially because let's not forget in Checkpoint in season five. It's about power. I have it. You don't. And then she tells the patriarchal model of power, a.k.a. the Watcher's Council, exactly what they're going to do and how they're going to do it. And she exercises that power there. Mm -hmm. So the idea that she is telling Dawn that she's a little girl and that being a little girl means that you have no power. Um, it feels kind of counter to everything that we've been trying to talk about in our quote unquote super fucking feminist show, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and there's something gross about this coming on the heels of this, I mean, senseless, senseless murder of an yeah. unnamed brown woman that's mm-hmm. not addre- like. 
I understand that it's part of the season story that they're Mm -hmm. telling. But when we look at that as like a, I don't know, a prologue to everything that happens, we just, we root for this girl to get away and then she's held down and stabbed and she doesn't get away. Yeah. And we follow that up with Buffy saying... It doesn't matter how well prepared you are, how well armed you are. You're a little girl. I'm just like, um, yeah. um, I don't know. I don't. Yeah, it would also be different if it's like it doesn't matter how well prepared you are, or how well armed you are. You're, you know, human. And this thing is supernatural. Like if that was the source of their power, that it's some kind of supernatural thing, which is also the source of Buffy's power, although we're going to find out more about the source of Buffy's power in season seven, which may be another reason why people don't like season seven. And there's good arguments. I think, for that. Anyway, yeah, there's a lot huge, to say about huge that. Good arguments for that. We'll get to that when we get there. I'm just saying like people who don't like season seven, I get it. Um, But yeah, it, it does feel like an incredibly gendered discussion of power in a show that has been priding itself on on this ability to like kind of like toss these gender stereotypes over a wall and be super feminist when in reality it buys into a lot of these gendered ideas you know even within the text of the show itself I mean and I'd never I I don't read it as particularly feminist Mm -hmm. in the sense that I think a lot of a lot of this is about having a reason to torture and kill girls. Yes. Like, you know, like, you, you, mm, I don't want to get too extra textual about it, but like, if you want to torture and abuse young women, a great way to do that is to put them in a position in the narrative where it quote unquote makes sense for that yeah. to happen to them. Like we can just, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to argue that Buffy is a super feminist text. It's not um, like there's it, Buffy is something that happened because Joss Whedon wanted to subvert a trope. And then everybody was like, oh, wow, that's like so feminist because here you've got this girl who can fight like a man. And that that's what makes a strong female character, which, by the way, isn't. It's bullshit. And I hate it. Um, I hate the idea that like you girls want a strong female character. Let's give you Black Widow. Have you seen her in her leather cat suit? Like um, and and taking men out with her vagina. Don't believe me. Watch Iron Man 2. Happens like five <laughs> times. Um, that's a whole other thing. And, and Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the movie, takes a man out with her vagina or a vampire out with her vagina anyway go ahead and watch it that's exactly what happens so long story short this like understanding of what actually a strong female character is has to do not with the ability to beat up people in a cat suit but actually with the complexity with which the character is written we have a lot of female characters within the realm of Buffy that are written with a great deal of complexity and that's awesome you know Um, but I think that if you look at Buffy as a feminist text you are going to be like rudely disappointed and you know and that's okay like I'm not I don't consider it to be a great feminist text I do not consider Joss Whedon to be a great feminist. Um, and that is something I've discussed and I'm not going to go into that right now. Um, but this discussion of power, of it's about power, um, I think is it's an OK. Is it a discussion? It's a statement at the beginning and the end of this episode. And at the end of this episode, I am left with the exact question. What do you mean by power? Yeah. You know, like, what yeah. is it, what is it that we mean? And I think that your huh 
is well sourced <laughs> here because we don't have clarity on what do we mean by power. It's you know? yeah, whatever it is though, it's highly masculinized question mark. I I think I, I, don't I think know. It, I think it's default to the masculine. Yeah. Right? Well, especially since I mean we also get the idea of power you know, out in the English countryside, Giles Dude. tells Willow, you're connected to a great power whether you feel it or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. All right. Yeah. This isn't a hobby or an addiction. It's inside you now, this magic. You're responsible for it. Okay. I give up, you guys. Like, I give up. What? <laughs> so power is a connection. You're mm-hmm. responsible for it, but... He has it in the vampire slayer or vampire slayer trainee dynamic. Also, it's not about good or evil. It's about power. I'm out. I got I got, I got nothing. I <laughs> Nope. <laughs> what? Okay. In all fairness, I will absolutely concede the point that clarity is not this episode's strength. Right? <gasps> I you know, mean... I get it. Especially because here we are with Willow, right? Let's go ahead and talk a little bit about Willow and the magic morphine magic metaphor, right? <laughs> like, like what is... Okay. Here we have, we started out with uh, magic as the metaphor for beautiful, wonderful lesbian sex, right? Yes. All for it. That's great, right? Um, and then it becomes drugs. And now it is something else or whatever. And the problem with a shifting metaphor is that the whole point of a metaphor is that you have a symbol within the story that means something else, right? Yeah. So once you define what it means, if you start monkeying with that meaning, then you lose all of the power, as long as we're talking about power, all the power behind a metaphor and how it works. So in the beginning, the magic was gay sex um, and the overall discovery of Willow's real self. And I dug it. I thought that was awesome. Um, Then the magic became drugs and addiction and addiction to power the power to make the world as you would like to have it including a massive violation of of her girlfriend Tara who ends up being the reason why she tries to destroy the world but like you know we kind of skip over how Willow used her power to like really super violate Tara um and Tara's autonomy that's not great yeah um so now you know, do we go back to is magic gayness again? Is she now discovering her true self and her true power now that she's gotten over the sense that uh, that she should be ashamed of what her gayness gives her? Is this a gay empowerment story? Is it not gayness at all? Is it something else entirely? Or are we just textually being like magic is a power and she gets it through this flower? And that's how that works. Like, I, I don't like I'm so I'm so confused. I feel like we have just messed with this so much that I don't know what this is supposed to mean anymore. Yeah. Well, the fact that that we have to have Giles say mm-hmm. like it's not a hobby or an addiction. OK, great. So it's not so, yes. it's not a thing you do. It's a thing you are. Mm-hmm. And you're responsible for. OK, I mean, this is the closest we get to. Uncle Ben with great power comes great, you know, like responsibility. You know, you Mm -hmm. are okay. Willow, you are literally connected to everything. She can feel the earth, which I mean, Mm -hmm. hot. Gimme like great. Love it. Yeah. But also 
what? And then she's expressing all of this doubt about the coven. She says they're the most incredible women I've ever met, which, okay, cool. As I suspected, Mm -hmm. the magic that Giles borrows to zap Willow, whatever, is all borrowed feminine power. It's fine. I'm not angry and bitter about it at all. It's fine. Um, But then to... I don't know, man. It's a mess. It's a mess. It's it not. I can't make head or tails of it. It's I'm gonna not tell you. Yeah. magic as gayness. I don't think. I don't think anymore. But as you say, when you mess with a metaphor, you can't. Okay. <laughs> I'm not the story expert. Maybe you can do this. But my sense as a viewer is you can't mm-hmm. reset a metaphor. That even if you I don't try think to do that you're still going to carry whatever meaning that metaphor had before. Right. You can't unring that bell. Yeah. Right. So, so once first it means this, then it meets this and it doesn't mean both of them at the same time, but it kind of maybe a little bit, they uh, switch back and forth because Mm -hmm. even in the middle of Willow's season six power hungry thing, we had the song, you know, with with Tara, that the magic, the magic was the gay sex again. Like we had yeah. that whole thing, right? Um, I'm under your spell, which of course also speaks to the violation of Tara from Willow, which is something we don't really talk about at all, and that's kind of awful. Um, but anyway, so like, there's all this stuff, and then, and then Willow did all of these things that are terrible, and that if any villain had done them, we would be seriously like, where are the consequences? And the consequences are that she gets to hang out in England with a bunch of amazing women, and I love a redemption story, but again, like, because we have such an incredible lack of clarity, and because Warren so desperately, desperately fucking deserved it, like, it's it's really hard for us to kind of like figure out in what ways we hold Willow accountable, although we never hold her accountable truly. Uh, Tara does a little bit for violation of Tara's mind and body when she's under the spell, right? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so everything with Willow, like at this point, this is what happens to me in season seven with Willow. And I'm just going to come clean and say, I give up. <laughs> I give up and I just say, I love Willow. I'm happy that she's better and that she's learning and that she's coming into her power with more understanding and more responsibility for it. Okay, fine. Like that's my that's my willow response. Okay, fine. You know? <laughs> okay, fine. I, what are you gonna do? Yeah, well, she says, I wanna be willow. He's he, Giles mm-hmm. asked her if she wants to be punished. And she says, I wanna be willow, which I think is meant to be a sign of her recovery, right? Because she when she's when she's all rage grief willow doesn't live there anymore willow doesn't live here anymore stop calling me that Mm -hmm. let me tell you something about willow yes i mean i think overall it's supposed to be a good thing she's supposed to be she's it's i mean i'm gonna use this another loaded word it's the potential right she has the potential to do great um damage because Mm -hmm. of how much you know because of how capable she is so it's about stay i don't know connectedness i do love the whole everything is connected bit that is lovely and i'm here for it um yeah exactly but it's like i just have to let everything that came before go yeah because the the metaphor was broken and you can't unbreak it so the only thing you have to do like as a viewer is either you 
throw up your hands and say, okay, you know, or it is constant cognitive dissonance throughout the entire season. And I just don't have that kind of mental energy at this point. (laughs) I will bounce off and then like rebounce on to all the stuff with Willow this season. I can, I can feel it already. I'll be like, no, and then I'll just come right back. And then it's going to be like, okay, you know, like you just, uh, at a certain point, you're just like, all right, I understand y'all broke this thing and now you're doing the best you can given what you got and we can't go back and unbreak it. So, okay, you know, fine. Um, The other thing that I find really interesting about this season, especially with Buffy, is the horror element that we have. This is a different I mean, okay, Buffy is ostensibly has always been a quote unquote like horror show. If you have to put it in a genre, it's got vampires. So, okay, I guess, you know, (laughs) but the vast majority of it was fighting latex demons and rubber snakes and like whatever. So it never really had that sense of horror. And everybody knows like the whole irony is like I can't handle horror. It absolutely lays me out. And um, but yet here I am studying Buffy in such incredible depth as part of my professional existence a huge part of my professional existence um but Buffy has never really been to me horror not the kind of horror that puts me in the fetal position until we get to season seven Mm. because now we have come I believe to play you know uh season seven I think actually turns Buffy into a legit horror show I mean the ghosts here in this episode are truly creepy. That one that takes the pencil and stabs Dawn in the eye. I mean, Jesus, you know, um, and the first itself at the end is actually scary. Um, and, you know, overall in the season, what ends up happening with the first is a disappointment to me um, because, again, like it's, you know, we could have done something really interesting with the pa- with the we could have done something really interesting with the big bad that you can't punch. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, because that's the big thing is like Buffy punches things. And if she was suddenly faced with a monster that could be this devastating, that she had to fight in a way that she had never fought a monster before, that'd be great. We don't do that. We end up just having the monster call up these uber vamps to fight for it or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, uh, fine. Like up until now, we've been fighting rubber snakes and vampires that can't speak through a really obstructive mouthpiece. You know, um, the first is actually genuinely scary. And there are a lot of things that happen in this season. In a couple of episodes, we're going to get to the gnarl demon. Yes. Which which is freaking gross and scary and creepy. Um, and uh, and so like this season is actually legit horror. This season, there's some of the stuff that I watch in Buffy that I have a real difficult time with. And I like that because it's it's showing Buffy as as a character and as a show kind of evolving into into something different, into something more serious, into something that has, you know, more teeth. Uh, pardon that expression. Um <laughs> So and, and and the thing is for me too that the comedy within uh the show has evolved as well into something that is a little different tonally and that offsets the um the horror for me pretty well um to the point where it's you know I get creeped out same time same place is going to make my skin crawl you know for a little bit um but overall like I find it to be um to feel more grown up now you actually uh not that this is a high bar but like horror more than I do I do right yeah 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 so how do you feel does this still feel ridiculous ridiculous to you 
Is my sensitivity um, just uh, too high for this? This episode to me does not feel particularly horror mm-hmm. intense. What does feel where 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 the horror starts to step in for me in a big way with season seven is the idea that the the big bad is evil like capital Mm -hmm. e evil um which means that what we're what we're gonna do we're gonna do the thing that horror does so beautifully which is address taboos like things Mm -hmm. that we do not talk about right and evil like real like like evil evil Mm -hmm. and what not just not just is it real Spoiler yeah. alert, it is. Lesson one, it's real. <laughs> Lesson um, one, it's all real. It's yeah. real. And we're going to talk about it and mm-hmm. what it is and what it looks like. And spoiler alert, it looks like all kind of things. So yeah. it's in that in that kind of um, intellectual exploration, that's where the horror starts to starts to step in for me. Mm-hmm. Visually, I think this episode, I mean, the the makeup is great mm-hmm. on the ghost zombies. They're mm-hmm. looking more, you know, as we progress through the seasons our and our budgets get better and our yeah. skills get honed and we figure mm-hmm. out what works and what doesn't. I mean, it looks great, but it doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't read as more intense to me yet. Yeah. Yet. <laughs> it, it, it definitely does to me. Um, but again, I, I think I have a much higher sensitivity to that kind of thing than most human people. So um, so I get it. I get it. Um, one of the things that I really love about what we do with the story with Buffy overall, you know, um, and, and specifically in this season is that um, Buffy is actually one of the first TV shows to... Um, to have an arc that ran purposely through a whole season like uh, as as we started getting into tv shows in the mid 80s that um you know we had the vcr then and people could record and rewatch episodes uh we started telling more stories that were more series you know like um even if it would be like a mini arc in the middle of a season or whatever um uh, where we'd have episodes that didn't reset at the end so that we could start at any point and watch whatever reruns in any order and it would all be the same thing because we reset back to start at the at the end of a, of an episode um we've started to have these these changes that that happen and that last for an entire uh season for an entire series um and that's a really, really fun kind of sort of Russian nesting doll kind of storytelling, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is that we've got a story, a full and complete narrative within the episode itself. Then we've got that episode as part of, say, a mini arc um, in which we've got an episode, a story that lasts over a few episodes. Then we've got a bunch of these mini arcs that then feed into the entire season arc. Um, and now here we are seeing ourselves going back to the beginning. You're going back to the high school. We're talking about what it's about. We're landing this, this entire higher arc. So we're starting from when Buffy first stepped foot into Sunnydale High to now when she will at the end of the season be one of the last people to ever step foot in Sunnydale mm-hmm. High. Um and uh and that whole arc, the way that we start with one girl in all the world and then move into every girl, everybody who has that potential, you know. Mm-hmm. Um that uh that that everybody will have that power that that we're going to 
share it, you know? Um, I think that that's a really interesting um, thing. And for me, this is the reason why I fell in love with Buffy. There are a lot of reasons why I like Buffy, but, but as a narrative person, you know, Mm -hmm. the idea of all these nested narratives that then actually build in and resolve um, this way. Um, I absolutely love it as far as like a long-term story experiment. And this is one of the first shows to actually do that effectively. We're seeing more and more shows do that. I think Breaking Bad is another uh, fair example of this kind of thing. Lost does try. It, it, it stumbles <laughs> a little bit um, in some places, but Lost, I think, does some of that too. Um, and so to have a narrative that by the the series finale actually completes itself um, is to me just one of the most fascinating, wonderful things uh, to be able to study as as a narrative person. So that's one of the things too that that I absolutely love about season seven is that we are fulfilling um, and changing the world from where we started, you know? Yeah, but also not. It's yes and, mm-hmm. right? Because we do this lovely turn back time through all our season big bads, mm-hmm. which is yes, so delightful and speaks to we know what we're doing. Like behind the scenes, we know yeah. what we're doing, mm-hmm. which is yeah. great. Just from a, I like that. Yeah. That sense of purpose. Yeah. You know, that like we are standing here and telling you this is what we're doing. And I think that that's really great. So I, I love all of that. Again, all of you yelling at me because you hate season seven. And season seven fucking sucks. Like, I get it. But this is why this is why it speaks to me so well. This is why I will defend season seven, because I think that it's really, really fun. Um, but going through like uh, we're now at the beginning of the season right we're getting to see our characters again um we here we start with buffy it's about power right mm-hmm. so here we have buffy who in season six we couldn't get a hold of of buffy she was so elusive because she wasn't connected with herself and now we have her um she is so interesting she is awkward and empowered and fully present but still you know struggling um and having a character with a lot of power can sometimes be a threat to their sense of vulnerability we've always made buffy physically powerful but personally vulnerable you know Mm -hmm. and it's usually been through you know the men that she's loved or been with you know angel riley spike have been the source of a lot of vulnerability uh joyce's illness and death we got that her love for dawn her depression her inability to reconnect with her friends and with herself Mm -hmm. Um, um, and here we see her strong, like she knows what's going on. There is no man involved defining her life or her existence. She is not resisting her role as a slayer. So we don't have an identity struggle, which we had really early on. Um, but I like that she's awkward. I like that when she's talking, when she busts into the classroom, she's like, I've, you know, it's not safe. I'm afraid that you're going to smoke or whatever, you know, (laughs) Um, and she lacks the clear charm and confidence that ironically Dawn has. Yeah, it's funny. I actually don't love Buffy in this episode. Like Mm -hmm. she she bothers me in this episode. But I also think that maybe maybe she's supposed to a little bit because Mm -hmm. Dawn is so good like dawn is dawn is so good and i just i'm like oh come on buffy like get it together but dawn (laughs) is like on it i I love dawn i I like that buffy's awkward and weird and and just saying all the wrong things in this episode there's something about that that makes me like buffy even more but yes let's talk about how amazing dawn is because i know that i have been a dawn defender from the beginning a lot of people irritated with dawn but dawn in season seven 
is fucking kick ass. Um, I love how she tries and fails with the vampire, but she doesn't give up. Mm -hmm. You know, she asks Buffy for help, but she's still in that fight. Um, I love how charming and confident she is at school when she gets up and talks about her macaroni art. I think that that's hilarious. Um, I love how she takes charge. She's down in this basement with these two kids who are scared and don't know what to do. And she is like bag full of bricks, bitches, right? She is going to make it work, you know? But then when Buffy gets there, she turns to Buffy and fights with her instead of feeling like she has to prove herself. You know, she held her own until Buffy got there and that was enough. And now she'll work with Buffy. Um, I, I love all of it. I think it's great. I love the way Dawn knows her capabilities, but also her weaknesses. I yes. love her telling Buffy, I plan to get killed, come back as a vampire and bite you. Like, I know. heck yeah. Like, she's so good. She mm-hmm. is... I, uh, I mean, for my money, just yes. me speaking only for myself now, Dawn, this Dawn is what I wanted Buffy to be earlier in the show. When when yeah. Buffy was this age, there's something, I don't know, there's something about how mm-hmm. self-possessed Dawn is. I don't know what it is entirely, but she, she delights yeah. me. I love her taking charge. I mm-hmm. love her pausing in a moment of terror to be like this reception is amazing (laughs) (laughs) I know I mean it's just it's all so fabulous I love her so much Uh, you know something else I love of course always I have to have a moment to talk a bit about Anya Yes. Um, we don't she doesn't have anything to do with the rest of what's going on nothing to do with the the big story going on here she's very separate we have this one scene with her and Halfrek, which is setting up you know things to come um not at all involved in the narrative of this episode where uh where basically Halfrek is staging an intervention that anya has yes. hardly eviscerated anybody you know I mean, lately and people are noticing <laughs> yeah. it's a bad time to be a good guy and when anya says shouldn't all of my d Demon friends be here and Halfrek just says sweetie they are uh first of all give it up for Callie Rocha who oh my god two seconds on screen will fucking kill it her you know? oh sweetie she sweeties oh. Anya a couple of times in that scene yeah. I'm just like oh yes Yes, I yes. love it. So, I love so Halfrek. I could do a whole series. I could if they were, if they brought a whole series about Halfrek, I would absolutely be into it. Oh my god, she's fabulous. Yeah, yeah. I want, I want Halfrek. I want more Halfrek, and I want, I want more Anya and Tara. I hate yeah. that Tara dies before we get more Tara and Anya because the two of them together. We're always so delightful. I love the empowered Tara that we got in season six. Tara, who was her own person. Like uh, Tara sort of loses her identity to Willow when she's with Willow, you know? And as much as I love Tara and Willow in so many ways, like I would love to see Tara hanging out with Anya and Halfrek. You know, which vengeance demons, I mean, they could they could I mean, stir some shit up. There's a series. There's a series. Yeah. But yeah, we're we're setting up, we're setting up. Anya we're setting up mm-hmm. everything I don't yeah that little it's so funny that little standalone scene with the two of them is just it's again another one of the highlights of the episode for me also I know we're not there because I don't have any notes for it but mm-hmm. Anya's blouse hello uh-huh. so right. good what yes. what <laughs> they did not have to go so hard they I think that's what it is it's this little mm-hmm. tiny scene they did not have to go so hard on hair and makeup and wardrobe for the two of them in that Mm -hmm. scene and they both look 
but Phenomenal. they did so good it is a it is a little island of delight little island know, of this... delight in a sea yes. of what <laughs> it's an island it's an island of delight in a sea of okay like i get i love it but i get it you know it is there's a lot of huh here you yeah know? um some of which i think maybe xander although like okay again xander for me I feel the way I feel about Xander the way that I feel about the magic metaphor that mm. like Xander has been broken and reset so much and then broken again. Yeah. That at this point, I'm like, I don't know who he is. Yep. I don't know what's going on. So I'm kind of like, all right, it's it's the same thing. I'm like, OK, so like the new Xander, right? It's you know? the Xander of the week is how it's starting to yeah. feel because mm -hmm. I mean, even I mean, certainly prior to season seven, I have mm -hmm. moments of I really love Xander here and moments of yeah. I really do not love Xander here. And every week it's like, which Xander are we going to get? And we get multiple yes. Xanders in one episode sometimes. Mm -hmm. But it is kind of like, all right, do you want to hear the story or not? You just have to accept that he's here and he's exactly. I don't know. He's, There's he's, a certain point where you're just like, okay, he's Xander fluid. It's fine. Yeah. Like he's he just... fluid. He's you know, uh, uh, honestly, you could write an entire book just on Xander and like how incredibly inconsistent he is as a character. But who he is in this episode, I dig it. I yes. love Xander. All grown, real job, confident, competent, wearing a suit. <laughs> which looks great. He saves the day. This is like, I think my favorite thing is what he doesn't do in this mm. episode, which is actually informed on who Xander has always been since the beginning of time. He saves the day and yet doesn't require that Buffy and everyone stop what they're doing to give him a cookie. Yeah, He's just doing his job. He's just there, you know, figuring out what's going wrong with the with the floor, you know, for construction purposes and also breaking a talisman. Like, I <laughs> like season seven Xander. And for the most part, I think season seven Xander is not the Xander that we've gotten before. But I like season seven Xander. Yeah. Yeah, and just Xander, just that little moment of Xander lining up the plans for the new high school and the yeah. old high school is so great and also kind of magical. Like that, mm -hmm. I mean, I love a good, when we lay this image over this other <laughs> image, we can see, you know, which is great. Mm -hmm. That will always delight me. Yes. And something about that attention to detail that he would mm -hmm. think to do that as part of his contractor powers, essentially, mm -hmm. is really wonderful. And I think speaks to that that Xander evolution, like the good Xander <laughs> that we get yes. is the Xander who is like, wait a second, mm -hmm. I have this knowledge and access to these plans. I'm going to do a thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't remember. I don't remember if there's a detail about Buffy asking him to do that. It's just she asks him if he got the plans mm -hmm. and he's showing her, yes, everything is to code nothing creepy, nothing demonic. But I don't think she asked him to do that. Like, where's the Hellmouth now? You know, you are here on the Hellmouth. No, bit nobody told him to do it. And he figured it out. You know, I mean, that's like that's awesome, Sander. And like good yeah. Scooby powers too. Yeah. Like for for so long, the problem with Xander, a problem with Xander, mm -hmm. was that he was just kind of there. Like he was yeah. Willow's friend, and he was the, the this guy, and he the fetches guy the jelly donuts. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And now yeah. it's like okay, he's got some real, you know, yeah. mundane 
magic of his own that is gonna help Mm -hmm. it's cool i like it i I love gratuitous use of special skills i mean that's always you know what yes special skills absolutely there's nothing i love more in a character than competence you know i mean i think that that's great so it was really really fun to see this version of xander for however long we have him i'm gonna appreciate him while he's here um we've also got spike right not much spike but a little bit uh i love spike (laughs) spike struggling with his mental capacity to deal with what has happened with the ways in which he has changed i love the i tried to cut it out and all the scars on his chest like what that says you know okay that's that's horror that's psychological horror if nothing oh, else. Oh, but it's lovely. Yeah. It's such a wonderful moment because here he was. He fought for this thing. And I love that he fought for this thing and he got what he wanted, you mm-hmm. know, and we got a little monkey's paw, right? Yeah. You know, be careful what you wish for. Um, so I love that we've got monkey's paw spike. Um, I love that this is the consequence. He is suffering. He's suffering for what he's done. He's sorry for what he's done, which, as we discussed in the episode on Seeing Red, is a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I love Insold and Suffering Spike. That is like one of my favorite flavors of Spike because this is what we need. Like, we need Spike to feel what he's done and to atone you know mm-hmm. in, in whatever way he can also like you know as part of the season seven he doesn't atone too much it's not like angel who is constantly you know constantly searching for his fucking hair shirt you know um there's a certain point where he knows what he's done he knows he can't undo it the only thing he can do is move forward and try to do as much good as humanly possible and i really like that mm-hmm. you know um so I, I really like what we do with um with spike um i love love db woodside as principal wood um he's charming and he's pretty and he's smart and he's interesting and you know i usually don't like pretty men um (laughs) but i make the exception for db woodside because he's so he's pretty but he's also like charming and smart he's not just pretty you know which i really really like i love his I I love his self-awareness as the mm-hmm. new principal, but also the, oh, what is his line about? It's going to be a good day. I've already bullied a family member into I helping know. out. Like, <laughs> it's great. He is, he yeah. is, he is charming in the sense that he is trying to charm the audience. And yes. It's working. And succeeding. Yeah. Well, I love that moment, too, where he's like, I didn't get this job because of my resume. Like, it gives a sense that, like, he doesn't have a lot of experience. He's young and he knows why he got this job because nobody else fucking wanted it. Yeah. You know, so his lack of experience as a principal, even with that, like he's able to get this job. Um, so I like that he both has that that, you know, self-awareness, um, but that he's also telling us as a character that he knows that there's a reason why he got this job, yeah. you know, and that he's aware he's not going into this, you know, um, blind eyed to the hell mouth, you know. Um, and I think that that's really great. Um, and I I just I love this character. I love this actor. I think he's a wonderful addition to the cast. And uh, yeah, he's a lot of fun. Yeah. And he just gets better. <laughs> like he just gets he better. He does. He really, really does. And even when this this season gets goofy, and this season does have some really goofy moments. I'm thinking of him, right? You know, yeah. when uh, when uh, Buffy's going to kill uh, Principal Wood for the the kid with the um, varsity jacket. Yes. But, um, it's just it's so so much fun. Um, and Willow. 
you know yeah i mean will is in a bit of a holding pattern until we get her back to sunnydale and same time same place um and even with all of the okay like that we're getting with willow right now um i like her reclaiming herself i like the new definition of magic i like um the way that she is tentatively exploring her own power you know um yeah i like it yeah there's you know it's funny as we're talking about power there's mm-hmm. an interesting dynamic here with Willow and Giles yeah. where, you know, so she pulls the flower up through the earth, which I love. Mm-hmm. And he says, that doesn't belong there. And she says, no, <laughs> it doesn't. And then he, he, you know, unleashes some botany knowledge on her. And yeah. she says, is there anything you don't know everything about? And she mm-hmm. says, you know, and then he makes a joke about synchronized swimming, but she says right. that with so much sadness mm-hmm. and, it's an interesting angle on the knowledge is power Oh, yeah. saying that we have out there mm-hmm. in the culture. We don't have it in this episode, but that, you yeah. know, knowledge is power is something that we've heard all over. Yeah. And Giles has knowledge mm-hmm. and Willow is aware of, the, you know, is is aware of that in a way that she's grappling with, which I think on the heels of their magical battle yeah, is fascinating, right? Mm-hmm. Because I talked about what I read as kind of Giles's envy of how mm-hmm. much power and magical ability Willow possesses. Mm-hmm. But we see this little flicker of envy from her, I think, toward him of he is so knowledgeable Mm -hmm. he wants it's almost like this dynamic where he wants to be able to do things and she wants to be able to know things and if they could just swap you know like if they could just give each other a little bit of what they have I think they would both Mm -hmm. be more content in their relationship but I love their relationship as this kind Mm -hmm. of troubled colleagues yeah. Because he was yeah. always, she always looked up to him. And, and he always saw her as more of an equal, I think, than any of the others. Certainly. Even, even Buffy, yeah. you know, to a certain degree. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there are problematic elements to that of Giles mm-hmm. holding Willow to different standards than he holds yeah. Buffy. Mm-hmm. And there's a, you know, not so subtly implied crush from Willow toward Giles, which I think yeah. is interesting. But as we're beginning season seven, mm-hmm. we really they do have this really interesting working relationship where he's he is still a mentor to her, but he doesn't mm-hmm. have everything that she needs to really grapple with this connection that she's learning about. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating. It's a uh-huh. fascinating dynamic um, between the two of them. But that little bit. I, and I don't know if that was on the page, but that sadness when she says, is there anything you don't know everything about? Right. Just gets me. Willow oh, just wanted God. to know shit, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> like... I love it. Yeah. I love it. I love that idea about his power and her power being, you know, kind of opposites. Yeah. You know? Complimentary. Um, existing intention. Yeah. Existing intention with each other. Yeah. yeah. I love that. I love that. So Noelle. I'm going to ask you, what's your favorite part? Oh, it's Willow pulling a flower through the earth (laughs) from Paraguay to England. I freaking love it. I Mm -hmm. love the, it's 
just so magical and also very Willow, still yeah. like using her will to yeah. do her, you know, getting the earth yep. to do her bidding. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't belong here. I, I love it. It's it's yeah. beautiful, even if I don't totally understand what they're doing with magic. Um, <laughs> and also, you know, honorable mention to an appearance of, from Glory because yeah. I'm just so happy to see her. Just so happy. Oh, my God. Yeah. It, she's so wonderful. And, you know, that brings me to my favorite part, which is the morph. Yeah. Right? Through all of the big bads that we've had to date going, starting with Warren. Like yeah. going backwards down, counting down to the beginning, you know, to where we get, you know, we get Glory and Drusilla, Adam, you know, whatever, um, and uh, and the master, the and then we Adam go we into ever get, I think. the best Adam we ever get, and short lived, and thank you for that, um, and then we go to uh, Buffy. It's about power. Yeah. And I love I love how incredibly deliberate that is. Yeah. Um, how confident that storytelling is that there, you know, basically what the show is saying is, OK, we know what we're doing this season and we're going to do it. Hang on. Yeah. And then that's it. And then we cut to black. Um, so I absolutely love that. I think that it's confident. It's deliberate. And that's, you know, part of the reason why I love this season so much. If you enjoyed this conversation and would like to join in, connect with the show on Twitter. Follow at Chipperish and use the hashtag #StillPretty. This episode of Still Pretty was brought to you by the Chipperish Media producers who support us on Patreon at the power producer level. These people are the reason why Still Pretty is coming to you free and ad-free right now. So thank you to Stephania, Shelly, Rose, Jonathan, Alice, Kristen, Sarah, Christina, Erica, and Abigail. And this week's special message for our power producers, I honestly don't think there's a human word fabulous enough for you. To find out how you too can support Chipperish Media, visit patreon.com slash chipperish. Other ways to show your support, write a great review on Apple Podcasts, tell your friends about the show, or always be in the dark with Drew, singing your little songs. (laughs) We'll be back next time with Beneath You, the second episode of season seven. Until then... The next few months are going to be quite a ride.